Thank you very much for inviting me to this roundtable. I'm going to begin by mentioning that everything I say represents my personal views. I also want to make reference to a particular documentary that I use quite a bit in my talk, and the resource for that is the title ISIS in Afghanistan, and it is produced by Frontline PBS, and the date it was broadcast was November 17, 2015. And the presenter is Najibullah Qureshi, a prominent journalist uh, who does several uh, frontline PBS documentaries about Afghanistan. Let me begin by talking about the origins of ISIS Khorasan province, or ISIS-K or ISIS-KP. Let's begin with understanding that ISIS has proliferated global networks with affiliated cells operating on practically every continent. As early as June 2014, some Afghan and Pakistani Taliban members defected to ISIS in Afghanistan. The impetus was the establishment of the uh, ISIS caliphate in Syria and Iraq. ISIS-K came to be known uh, as the ISIS cell present in Afghanistan. And a, a, an important incentivizer, if I can use that, uh, for the locals and particularly disaffected Afghan Taliban uh, members is that ISIS-K pays more money. The documentary cites about $700 a month. Now, according to the NPR, <clears throat> to the NPR uh, article, and here I'm quoting, ISIS had sent representatives to both Pakistan and Afghanistan. They were essentially able to co-opt some disaffected Pakistani Taliban and a few Afghan Taliban members to join their cause. Unquote. The article goes on to say that in a 200, uh, 2015 video, the group's leader at the time, Hafiz Saeed Khan, and other top commanders pledged their allegiance to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who at the time was Islamic State's leader, and declared themselves administrators of a new ISIS territory in Afghanistan. The NPR article goes on to say that the hostility between the two groups, that is ISIS-K and the Taliban, arose both from ideological differences and competition for resources. ISIS accused the Taliban of drawing its legitimacy from a narrow ethnic and nationalistic base rather than a universal Islamic creed, unquote. Also, according to the Associated Press, the Taliban sought to negotiate with the United States in recent years. Many of those opposed to talks, uh, these are the talks in Doha, switched over to the more extremist Islamic State. And current estimates show about 2,000 ISIS-K or ISIS-Khorasan fighters 
operating in Afghanistan. So to get into more details about what is ISIS-K, let's look at its specific semantics and wording. When ISIS, uh, when it had its headquarters in Raqqa, Syria, uh, it proliferated its satellite cells globally, but especially in the Middle East, parts of Africa, uh, and parts of South Asia. And each cell had a name given, and um, the name is according to the translation of whatever name and the province. So, for example, ISIS K is ISIS Khorasan province. In Arabic, Wilayat Khorasan, or the province of Khorasan, which includes Afghanistan, Pakistan, and the Central Asian states. In the documentary, we see an ISIS-K operative say the following quote, we want the Islamic system all over the world and we will fight for it, unquote. ISIS-K links itself with the broader ISIS Caliphate and its leadership. It is not an autonomous entity in Afghanistan. That is, ISIS territories are part of the Caliphate. Again, to quote an ISIS operative, from the documentary, quote, our commanders get orders from the Islamic State, unquote. ISIS-K calls the Afghan Taliban, quote, puppets of Pakistan, unquote. ISIS-K claims that the Taliban do not accept the ISIS Caliphate. They, quote, take orders from Pakistani intelligence, unquote. ISIS-K claims that foreign fighters are joining them unlike the Taliban. However, the Taliban retort that we are already Islamic. And that's a quote again from the documentary. A pivotal moment came in summer of 2014 when about a dozen village elders and Taliban commanders were executed by ISIS-K. And ISIS-K released a video of these captives being executed by being blown up. This marks the beginning of the ISIS-K versus Taliban rivalry. I'll take a moment to talk about the common ideological variables between ISIS-K and the Afghan Taliban. The Taliban and ISIS-K target Afghan government and foreign forces. They are the common enemies of, Taliban, of the Taliban and ISIS-K. Both have similar Sunni extremist, Salafi, Wahhabi ideological foundations. And for the Taliban, we can add an additional ideological influence, and that comes from Deibandism, which is quite prominent in South Asia. Both the Taliban and ISIS-K are takfiri. Takfiri means that they give themselves the authority to deem another person or group of people as non-believers or apostates, that is, those who have left Islam. Therefore, they are, they are subject under these um, groups' interpretations to the, death, to the death penalty. So that's what takfiri means. 
both indoctrinate children and train them to be fighters and operatives. Both ISIS-K and the Taliban operate religious seminaries in which they indoctrinate children. Therefore, schools play a very important role in their jihads. These are essentially Islamist military jihadist schools, and ISIS in particular disseminates their school videos for propaganda purposes. The Taliban and ISIS-K continue to perpetuate a, a never-ending war in Afghanistan, and the people of Afghanistan continue to suffer. Local Afghan civilians are fed up with both the Taliban and ISIS-K. Some local communities have set up local militias for their security against the Taliban and ISIS-K. That might be changing now that the Taliban have taken control of the country. Let me now talk a bit about the ideologies of ISIS-K and the Taliban with respect to women and girls. Both ISIS-K and the Taliban fear females as a source of temptation. Therefore, it is imperative to render females, quote, invisible, unquote, in public space. Hence, we see the strict dress code being imposed on females. The belief of, on part of both organizations, ISIS-K and the Taliban, is that temptations will lead to sinful acts. Males are viewed as having custodial authority over females. That is why females are required to have males, uh, male relatives or spouses accompany females in public. This is very similar to Saudi Wahhabism. And Saudi Arabia had a direct role in influencing the ideological curricula in Islamic seminaries during the fight against the Soviets in Afghanistan. Those Islamic semin seminaries have proliferated in the Afghan-Pakistan border region. Women are treated as second class or worse in these societies, according to the interpretations of Islamic law by ISIS and the Taliban, and for that matter, Wahhabism in general. So to wrap up, due to counter-terrorism counter operations targeting them, ISIS-K has been forced to scatter and decentralize quite a bit within Afghanistan, but it still carries out indiscriminate attacks like the suicide bombings at the Kabul airport gate on August 26th that killed more than 160 Afghan civilians and 13 US military personnel. This attack begs the question, why did the Taliban fail in heeding intelligence warnings about an imminent attack? The, the bottom line is that ISIS wants blood. It thrives on bloodshed, as described in this quote from the documentary. Quote, ISIS wants a river of blood. Faith and belief demand blood. God will expand this beautiful caliphate everywhere. Unquote. Thank you for listening.